so yeah that was the dumbest thing i think i've seen all day (laughs) (laughs) just rubbing your face in like agony at the cat (laughs) just like he came in here to do that and then fucking just left and that was it (laughs) he scared himself oh my god dude it's like one of your stop (laughs) i'm gonna give people asthma asthma You're going to have asthma after listening to me crack my fucking no, neck? No, it's ASMR. Asthma. Hmm. Well, we watched a lot of anime. We did. I had a lot of free time this month. Mm-hmm. And then, like, Thanksgiving got in the way, naturally. And prevented of... us from watching anime. <laughs> like, finishing certain stuff, so. Welcome back to Otaku, everybody. That's a good way to start this. S.O. Stone Ocean, because it came out. Um, and I know it's technically like this is our November podcast, but and it came out December 1st, but we're recording this like December 5th, so suck it. <laughs> yeah, turns out we make the rules on our fucking little podcast that we released to our two of our closest internet friends. <laughs> <laughs> Connor's an IRL friend. Right. Well, is Connor still listening? Uh, Who knows? Who knows? You better be listening, Connor. So, Connor, if you are listening, this is where you need to stop listening. And I'll um, put the time code in the description of where you should pick back up. Because I know that you have not finished Stone Ocean yet. Um, based on our conversation literally yesterday. Yeah, he, he didn't even finish part five. Yes, he did. Did he? Yeah. Holy shit. Once Netflix picked it up and it was um, dubbed, he finished it in like two days. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> That's the wor- that's worse. Me? That's How is that worse? How is that worse? Uh, I just don't want to think of them being dubbed. I guess because I know how underwhelming uh, a lot of those experiences tend to be. I feel like JoJo has some really good voice actors, and I don't feel like the dub is like nearly as bad as you want it to be. <laughs> I don't want it to be bad. I just like I don't know. It's hard to go back to. It's hard to go back to to dubbed once you've had the sub version of something. No, I completely agree with that. But for some people, it's way easier to just watch the dub. Yeah, no, so that's true. We're not here to shit on the dub. <laughs> um, all right, so let's go ahead and just get get it out of the way and just talk about um, John Gallier's fat ass. Yeah, it's a lot of ass. <laughs> Tiny burp, a lot of ass. <laughs> Well, sorry, I was like, I didn't know if that was going to be a really big burp or a small burp. That's fair. I'm glad you turned away. Um, yeah, that was you excitedly sending that to me the morning yeah. that it got released, I think. Yeah, because by the time I woke up, by the time I woke up around 8 and checked my Twitter feed, it was already filled with ass ass, <laughs> and titties. Yeah. Ass, ass, and titties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as it should be. <laughs> And you were like, I don't really remember in the manga that scene, like, in particular, but everyone says that the animators actually went, like, above and beyond Araki's depiction in the manga. That dude's ass, you could hear it clap from 15 miles away. (laughs) You could hear it clap off off the prison island. Yeah, 15 miles. Yeah, (laughs) just like, holy shit, dude. 
Um, I mean, I don't disagree. Um, but yeah, so that's like the biggest thing that everyone's really talking about in, in Stone Ocean so far. Um, is it really? It really is. Like the most memed aspect of Stone Ocean so far is John Golly A's memed ass. Ass. Mm. <laughs> okay. I'm not mad about it. I'm not surprised, but I mean, there's a lot of stuff that happens in the first 12 episodes, but. Yeah, there is a lot of stuff. Um, <clears throat> so now that that's out of the way. Of the first 12 episodes, what would you say is your favorite fight? Um, I don't know. I think that the last one with Jumping Jack Flash was pretty cool. Um, I was interested to see how they were going to animate that whole sequence, especially with the the, the cloud spacesuit situation. And, yeah. Um, it was cool. I, like, I will say that over the overwhelming majority of the experience of the first 12 episodes animation wise, I've been really impressed with, but there's like a couple, especially with jumping Jack flash of really goofy uses of like machinima, like CGI that I didn't really understand Okay, why they did that. Like with him, like with him scurrying around particularly <laughs> like they used that was some seco vibes. That was like a yeah. was like, Hey, you guys remember part five? Yeah. He's back. Like you saw what I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Just like, why did they do that? Because it's it's very brief, and I don't feel like they needed to. Because the rest of the animation is really good. Um, I don't know. I think it's because that they are using a combination of 3D and like non 3D. Yeah. But... And I think some stuff like I mean, okay, so you had a problem with that, and I know for a fact that like um, a friend of mine has like an issue with how like you know 75 to 85 percent of the background characters in like communal scenes are like grayed out and it does kind of give it more of like a manga vibe to me to have those characters grayed out not necessarily like you know detailed and like because it it doesn't they they don't fucking matter yeah it doesn't add anything to the scene right it doesn't necessarily bother me but it does feel a little lazy but at the same time it's like you know uh netflix produced this and it's, I don't know. It's not like they're gonna be like HBO where they drop thirty million dollars on something and then just be like, eh. throw it down the toilet. Right. <sighs> yeah, I don't have an issue with that at all. But that might just be like, again, like much in the way that I have a little bit more of an issue with that machinima style being used in anime. Other people might just be like, yeah, whatever. You know. I think I'm that way. I think I'm just like the yeah, whatever way. Yeah. It I'm was, coming around to it, but I think if I think because it was just so sudden and it was only certain scenes with him yeah. that I was like, why did they do that? Yeah, I I will say I'm very also impressed with the animation for this part, especially with um, John Gallier's stand, for instance, Manhattan Transfer or Downtown Transfer, if you want to use localized name. <laughs> Um, I think that it was really well done and very detailed, like all the little movements, like, cause it's a stand that basically rides on airwaves or air currents, I guess, mm. cause there's <laughs> airwaves. Um, it rides on like the currents of air and can kind of feel its way even like, again, as evidenced in the show, like through raindrops or water droplets, I guess. So it can dodge like water droplets just based on the, the pressure of the air current changing around the it which is really cool to me mm. but ultimately that initial fight with John Golly A while 
Jotaro and Jolene are dreaming turned out to be much more of a badass fight than the actual showdown with him did, which was a little unfortunate, but like... Yeah, I mean, that's that's from the manga, though. And I kind of <clears throat> wish... I don't know. I can't... So we read the manga, like, over a year ago. Like, slammed our way through it because I was just, like, craving more JoJo content in my life. And we had no idea that Stone Ocean was even going to be animated, let alone released this year. Yeah. Um. Otherwise, I might have just, like, never read the manga. And then I wouldn't be so, like steel ball run obsessed which <laughs> still sucks for me but <laughs> i'm trapped in this hell and i put myself here so well you haven't even started part eight so i that's know probably for the best <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i think it's gonna be a minute before i do like i think honestly steel ball run's probably gonna have to get animated before i really start part eight in earnest i um, mean no spoilers but like i've read about the first half of part eight and yeah. it's not so far really been my cup of tea that's what i hear from a lot of people it's really like people are just kind of like oh okay yeah it's jojo whatever and then other people are like it's jojo but like is it it's just it's it's weird like i can't get uh like a grasp on what the hell he's going for with it yet yeah and that's weird because it's like half the series I feel like maybe like part four was kind of similar to that though, like where it was very slice of life and you really had no idea like who the major like um, villain was until halfway through. Yeah, which I guess makes sense considering the context of what part eight is. Um, My favorite fight, um, despite what I just said about like the the Manhattan transfer stuff. (coughs) What about the, uh, who was the character with the baseballs? Marilyn Manson. No, that's her stand. Uh, yeah, I can't remember her name. It's um something. It's a designer. Uh, not Lang Wrangler. That's Gemma Jet Flash. Yeah. But it's another designer. I think they had to tr- slightly tweak the name of in the localized version. Um, yeah, that was a good fight. I'd say that because that actually again called back to part four with the um you know if you're guilty and the stand only takes what you are worth. Or mm. only takes from you what it needs to settle your debt, rather. Um, but again, how would how would the stand know which organ was worth what on the black market unless like the stand user was actively like feeding it that information? So it the way the it's, stand user <clears throat> the stand's Wi-Fi capable, so. right? <laughs> um, it's gotta, I feel it's, like Foof would be Wi-Fi capable if right. anybody was. Yeah. Um, She's got a direct link to the New York Stock Exchange. Yeah, I do. I do like the fact that she got uh, beat the shit out of her with a baseball, which was um, very fitting. And, of course, everyone became, like, slightly richer for it. Um, All the main um, protags, anyway. I love Jolene's stand. Um, Stone Free. They call it Stone Ocean in the localized, but it's Stone Free. Yeah. And uh, it seemed a little chintzy at first. Like, oh, okay, she has string. She can eavesdrop and or talk to people far away via string. But then once she really kind of comes into it and starts honing it, like that's when her stand gets like really like, oh, this is really awesome. Mm-hmm. And the fact she can like, quote, unravel herself, unquote, based on the amount of string she uses. Yeah, that was pretty intense. Yeah, that was pretty well. Um, orchestrated with the animation of it, too. Yeah, like where she's using the ability to run across the water surface oh yeah 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 um that was kind of cool then she like ties all the frogs together when yeah. um 
weather report, not weather forecast, but weather report is like making it rain, poison dart frogs. It's a lot of fucking poison dart frogs. Yeah, it was a bunch. Yeah, I just like how it's really staying faithful to the manga. It's obviously like having to do some things a little different just for probably like continuity and time sake and stuff like that. But it's really not um, not a different story at all. Mm-hmm. I will say that like 12 episodes of this went by real fast, I feel like storyline wise. They do because there's, you know, obviously you can't just do like a a chapter an episode no because all like some of the chapters kind of run together and some of them are longer than others and the whole thing with um jotaro you know being revealed as her dad and coming to the prison to try to break her out and everything like yeah because he's been your man for this like the third part that he's you know he's not really the protagonist of any of them except for part three and yet, like, he's, when you think of JoJo, or at least when a lot of people think of JoJo, like, he's the face of the franchise for a lot of people. Yeah, he is. But I, <clears throat> it's funny you say that he was, like, the, the pro tag for part three, because a, a lot of the people in one of the Discord servers I'm in were actually arguing that it was, like, Polnareff's Bizarre Adventure was part three. I mean, that's fine, but... <laughs> I, but, like, it definitely focused, and we talked about this, it definitely focused on him way more than it ever focused on, on Jotaro. Like, Jotaro comes in at the end and kills Dio and saves yeah. the day. Yeah. And thus becomes, <clears throat> like, you know, the hero of part three. Plus, I mean, he is a major component of the underlying story arc of part five. He is, <laughs> but again, he... goofy-ass way. He basically plays no role in part five. Like, none. Yeah. No, I'm talking about Polnareff. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. He's, like, the mysterious guy off in the shadows. And then he's a turtle. And then he's a turtle. Um, but Jotaro is, in, is there in part five as well. Just, like, really, really, really background. Which is fine because man was like, I really want to study, like, sea life. And I'm going to do that. So, Polnareff, you go handle this fucking weirdo mafia guy. Yep. With the arrows. <laughs> He's like, you got this, right? Yeah. Even though we can't afford to get you legs. But part six, part six Stone Ocean is definitely like a tragedy for sure. Um, I do think it's still one of my favorite parts. It's definitely top five out of the seven that I'm acquainted with. <laughs> it's not that great. <laughs> it's not. I'm, it's not that great. But I really, I really love Jolene. I love Hermes. I love Foo Fighters. I love the the fights are all really interesting and super fucking weird. Like Araki really said, let me just get weirder with this. Yeah. Which is really saying something. Right. But and, yeah, I mean, I feel like from, from the way you describe it, like your thing with part six is really like the characters more than maybe some, like maybe that's why it's up there in your head, uh, you know, for ranking of the parts. What else would it be? Well, I don't know. Like, I'm just the art like, style was also, like, new. Like, it's even more different than part five. But it's obviously, like, somewhere between parts five and seven. Yeah. Like, we were ca- talking about the warden and his weird-ass face. And you were like, I cannot imagine what his face would actually look like if he were drawn like a like a regular person. Like, realistically. He's got like, these bulging, like insect like eyes or something yeah and i feel like that's a lot of like part eight 
in part like part seven of Rocky coming out mm. and just he's heading that direction and I think this part really kind of establishes like you're in for some wild fucking shit down the road yeah so speaking of localizations and things like that what would be your favorite one so far for localized like stand names and people names and things like that character names I mean, I hate all of them. Yeah. Because like, we had a pretty long discussion about this the other night. And just like, I don't really understand the majority of them. Like what, why they even needed to do that. Yeah. If they're just names. Like if they're just fucking like not even, it's like uh, not smack. Even, what yeah. was it? Instead of kiss. Kiss. Kiss is a word. It's yeah. not necessarily like an allusion to the band kiss. Yeah. I'm like, why even fucking bother with that? I don't know. Um, that one is honestly up there with me because of just how ridiculous it is and mm-hmm. unnecessary. I feel like it kind of comes across as, um, hmm, I think all of them in part six are, have been really dumb so far. I also think it's really stupid that they changed Poochie, the spelling of Poochie's name to P-U-C-C-H-I because now it's like, it should be pronounced Pookie. Right. Um, weather forecast just cracks me up That's every my time. top. That's my top dumbest stupidest localization like why yeah it's, why it's like it's not like weather report is a trademarked like copyrighted phrase or something like every newscaster in the world probably in different actually, some language. i'm thinking about it right now and i can't remember the last time i actually heard a newscaster say now for the weather report it's always weather forecast maybe that's why they did it then maybe Maybe it's for a reason that we weren't expecting it to be, but... But, like, yeah. But down the road, well, I'm not going to talk about it because, like, major spoilers for part six, but down the road, like, weather's whole thing. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. Anyways. Um, but, yeah, his name, just getting changed to weather forecast is just, like, guys. Yeah. Because if you didn't read the manga, you'd be like, whatever. Like, yeah. what's the difference? But it's just, I don't know, it just does something to me this just is goofy like why would you even bother and I, okay well actually we haven't technically been introduced to him yet but honestly having I mean, his name changed to anastasia was he in the who was the one that was sleeping in the piano weather okay. but honestly was right there he just like slinks out he slinks out to go jerk off because he sees jolene he's like Can oh you- fuck so in that aspect, we have been introduced to Honest Wee, but like very briefly. And he didn't say a single word before he evacuated the dance floor. Yeah, he just creepily like slunk out of the room. He didn't slunk out. He like strode out with a purpose. Like my dick's hard. I got to go take care of this. <laughs> his, his, he went from flaccid to turgid in like six seconds. Right. Is that what you're saying? Yes. So and the last like major spoiler for the last episode of, of the first drop of Stone Ocean is... The fact that we see Dio once more with his, what are those shoes on his feet? Mm, yeah. Yeah. I like how they drew him. I mean, I like that. I like how he looks in the part six style. And I like, I don't know. I feel like the flashback that they did, it has like a different, they use different tones, like darker tones. Oh, absolutely. Which um, came across really well. Um, a lot of attention to detail on his outfit. Yeah. Um, for sure attention's paid to especially <laughs> his fucking shoes like you yes. said but yeah um yeah they spent quite a bit of time trying to flesh that out a little bit their relationship whatever yeah i didn't like how apparently in the sub uh poochie refers to dio as like his best friend hmm. 
she's my best friend. <laughs> um, and then in the sub, obviously, I pointed out, I was like, yeah, you guys are friends. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it seems like but an that awful was, lot. That too. was like the first flashback that we get with Dio and Poochie, and there's more to come. Hmm. So it's not like they left anything out. Like, there's definitely, like, more more flushing to phrasing. be had phrasing <laughs> phrasing yeah so i don't know i'm just like i can't tell if this is literally supposed to be 24 episodes total or what i don't know i've heard people say that there's supposed to be another drop in february hmm. so i will be like waiting at the edge of my seat until then naturally and we'll binge that again and talk more about it then whenever it gets dropped dropped so, um, I don't know, with part five being like 39 episodes, I feel like part four was somewhere in the 30s as well, and obviously part three was like a bunch, like 48 or 50 episodes. Yeah, it was around that. Yeah, that was obnoxious, um, and I think the people's biggest issue with part three was the fact that it was like so long. Yeah, it just didn't really need to be that much. But compared to part one, which is only like nine episodes, and part two, which is only like maybe 17, probably less than that, like <laughs> just caddis interruptus all day and all Why night here. Why shake like that? So, um, yeah, anyway, so let's move on to... Would you rather talk? Let's just go to Utna while we're on the topic of weird shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Utna, Revolutionary Girl. Utna is a mid-90s shoujo anime, um, also b- based off a of manga that I've never read. And um, I was really, 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 really excited for it to drop on Crunchyroll because when, I don't know, like maybe when I was 17 ish um bunny had obtained the um ova somehow and she loaned it to me and i watched it and she had talked about this anime for quite some time prior to this i mean it was one of her favorite ones of all time and it's obvious to me now as it was obvious to me then why because she was obsessed with the fact that there was like a lot of queer representation or I guess queer coding of characters and um, she and I were both baby gays at the time so it was kind of a, a phenomenal breakthrough for us to actually find media <laughs> back when we were teenagers um, to actually like represent this kind of um, queerness that you know we were identifying as yeah, it's pretty gay. Yeah. Um like and I don't I don't I, recall a lot of the OVA necessarily, but I do know that Bunny was like, "Oh my god, like, you know, one of the main characters is a, a person of color and you know, the other one is a girl, but she dresses like a boy, and now that I know enough of the Japanese language to understand, she also speaks like a boy mm-hmm. and uses boku versus watashi and all this other stuff." Yeah. So that's really interesting. Um, on top of that, what I really didn't realize in the show was how much, like, not even subtle incest there is. Oh, it is chock full it's, everywhere. It's really unsettling, like, the relation, the unhealthy relationships shown between, like, brothers and sisters. I would say. Or siblings. I'll say siblings. I would say that, like, 
we from some of the stuff we've watched recently it's like oh maybe that was just like a 80s and 90s japan thing or like an early 2000s thing even but i feel like it's just a thing that's like popular enough at least in concept in japan that it <laughs> consistently gets represented in animation in manga and it's just hard to wrap your head around i guess like i know for a fact there are a lot of like people in for instance like the jojo community fandom who ship cousins like the jojo cousins and that's not necessarily like my cup of tea because i just don't i'm not even with fictional characters like i don't just i incest doesn't do it for me i don't care how attractive they are or what their personalities are like even fictional characters just really doesn't do it for me um but utana is and we're only talking about the first arc here so like the main duelist arc um before we get to the black rose stuff um because we haven't finished that arc yet or it gets really edgy oh my god so um utana is very interesting it's you know a lot of like i said queer coding of characters um there's also a lot of hitting especially of women especially of one woman um there's there's an excessive amount of i don't want to say like domestic violence but i mean it, it is like a lot basically of abuse and a lot of bullying a lot of jealousy a lot of um i don't want to i don't know if i want to say like yandere like concepts and stuff but it is fairly there's a lot of that too it's just really with, messy with nanami and the cat and then with uh i don't even remember his name but the green-haired <laughs> <laughs> guy. guy i want to call him seijo for some reason he gets dunked on pretty um, hard he gets dunked on but he's also very abusive towards the rose bride and um then there's toga aka takahite koyasu aka dio who is like really off-puttingly sexy off-puttingly sexy because he's very much like i'm a charmer and i'm going to charm the literal pants off of you like i do with everyone else but then utna's just kind of like yeah no i'm no that's not happening and he's not like overly pushy about it either so that's why i think it's especially off-puttingly sexy because i'm like you've got like the guy like this the the tropey guy characters that are so pushy and finally get what they want because like the other person caves in and is just like fucking shut up like fine if this is what you want but like this guy seemingly does understand boundaries but he's got like this big ulterior thing going on that i'm not really sure of yet so the duelists are part of this organization who get their orders from an organization called the end of the world Right. And you get an elevator speech basically every episode that talks about the world being an eggshell and how the chick has to crack the eggshell to survive and bring about revolution. And so it's this whole like mysterious thing of what the fuck are you talking about? And they have kind of poked fun at it a couple times. Oh, absolutely. They have they've been like, are we on the wrong floor? Yeah. <laughs> they're like, no, there's just no one here right now. Yeah. <laughs> no one to do the, the egg spiel. Yeah. Once Toga kind of disappears, Judy takes over and says it. And I think Mickey's just like, uh, who are you talking to? Yeah. It's, it does, like, it definitely does have a little bit of that fourth wall break where it acknowledges kind of like how, I don't want to say kitschy or chintzy, but it acknowledges how, like, um, 
tropey it is, I guess. Yeah, it's just goofy that the show has two sequences, at least per episode, that are the exact same animation, one of which has the same dialogue, and then the other one that has a completely bonkers new song. That was going to be my next point, was the duelist music. It is fucking crazy. Yeah. The lyrics on it are some of the most batshit things I've ever had the pleasure of reading. There was one um, piece of music, and I forget which duel it was, but it was literally just like them naming fossils, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Or like bacteria or something. Yeah, that was another one. Oh, it was like going through evolution. So it was naming like um, like single-celled organisms to multi-celled organisms right, right, to right. like throughout the ages. Yeah. And it was just like... But it's the same music every time. It is the same music every time. <laughs> so this, it's set to the same cadence and the same music. I have to hand it to the, to the soundtrack um, person for like having to write lyrics that fit that particular song every time there's a duel. Which is and change episode. it. I mean, it's not every episode. There were a couple episodes we went without, like, actual duels. Yes, those are complete bonkers. Just, like, there's one where they have the curry that changes their bodies. They get fucking Freaky Friday'd. And then they get killed repeatedly by elephants. Not the same they, like, different they. Groups of people are being mauled by these elephants. uh, Sometimes while climbing the face of a cliff. Yeah. It's just, it's absurd. It is absurd. I think that's a perfect word to describe Utana is this level of absurdity that you're trying to figure out like, what's the end goal here? What purpose do these characters serve? Who is the Rose Prince that kind of sets all of this in motion and gets Utana to the point where she is like engaged to the Rose Bride? Like, who is the Rose Bride? How did you pick her? Like, where did she come from? There's there's a lot of unknowns in the first arc. Yeah. I don't even know what the fuck like it's like a regular regular ass school setting and then there's also this like hyper advanced there's like, like a hidden forest with a giant castle hanging from the sky. Yeah, that's like impossible structures. Upside down. Yeah, it's like, what am I looking at? Like what is this show? Yeah. It's so weird. And yeah, there's like some there's some weird there obviously there's weird stuff that goes on. Um People can pull swords from other people's bodies um, when needed. Like, it's, in case of emergency, pull sword from chest. Yeah, and thing. and it's funny because you know Toga, and is really like the most desirable male character. Or that's the blue haired one, right? No, that's the red haired one. Oh, like. Yeah, so. I thought the blue hair one was a was a lady for quite a while. Well, so I think Miki is supposed to be very androgynous. Yeah, definitely voiced by a lady. I don't want to say non-binary because that wasn't like a, that wasn't like a conscious concept back then. Right. But the end goal for Miki, I believe, is extremely androgynous, and of course, you could definitely headcanon nowadays. Like, oh yeah, they're definitely non-binary. Yeah, I think that'd be fair. I can't remember if Miki speaks with a male affectation. I believe they do. Yeah. I believe they say Boku instead of Watashi and all that stuff. But, um, yeah. But like you said, it's a different time in Japan. And Japan is... But I, And then that's what I appreciate about Utna, again, is like there's, there's a lot of gayness. There's a lot of girls who are obsessed with Utna. Basically, every like girl in, in the school. love, like actually in love with her, not just like I want to be you or I'm jealous of you because you look cool. Like, no, like, oh, my God, like you wore a skirt today, like 
bleh, like yeah i mean one of the main characters is literally like her main like love interest kind of like she wants like to classmate. be she wants to be her main love interest that's definitely. true but it's it's never really said out loud it's just very you know in the speech um in the speech in the way they talk to each other and the way she pays attention to Utna and things like that you know it's very obvious if you read between the lines and again I think that's definitely a thing that that drew Bunny to this anime in particular and the thing that really sets it apart for me in my mind like as a teenager like hearing about this anime and hearing her talk about it and you know downloading the op and everything <laughs> i mean the music fucking slaps as goofy yeah. as some of it is like i will say but when you're <clears throat> when you're 14 or 15 and you're a baby gay and you don't understand japanese um and the sound quality is shit because it came from someone else's computer from across the globe yeah <laughs> and there wasn't easily read like available lyrics to be accessed online to yeah. cross-reference the song no absolutely not not like there are today yeah yeah definitely very interesting there was one more little note i wanted to hit on that was there's a thing with the rose bride where she basically has to do whatever her um fiance says like so if fiance says jump off this bridge the rose bride you can bet your ass is gonna jump off that fucking bridge so there's an episode in the first arc where Uchina technically sets her free by like losing a duel because she wants um, Himemiya to have like friends, to have a life, to not be the Rose Bride anymore. But Himemiya just literally her existence just swaps hands. And Himemiya is like, yeah, I would love to have friends. I would love to not be the Rose Bride anymore when Utna's talking to her. But as soon as Utna loses a duel, she's like, you're free now. And Himemiya is just like, no, I'm still the Rose Bride. And I'm married to Toga now or engaged to Toga now. And like, this is what I want to be. I want to be the Rose Bride. Yeah. It's, so it's very, very weird. It's very conflicting. And it obviously sends Utna into a bit of like an identity crisis. Like, what do you mean I set her free? And she like refused to. So it's. It's very, very, very intriguing. I think we'll find out a little bit more in the second arc. And I think maybe the OVA clears things up even more. Again, I barely remember it. I know I watched it, but this was <clears throat> half a lifetime ago. Yeah, we'll just have to wade through the rest of the uh, incest to get there. Yeah. But. I'm hoping it's mostly over. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I keep saying that. And then <laughs> I, I'm just like, oh, there's more. Yeah, it's definitely not just the uh, original characters you right. mentioned. But there's also, there's also like, um, shitty friends who steal other people's like boyfriends, not boyfriends, but like, uh, love interests and things like that. So there's all kinds of stuff going on. That's like, it's pretty dark and it's, uh, very intriguing. And honestly, the, the queer coded people for the most part, are not like really portrayed as villains which is really nice yeah it's you know for a for a mid late 90s anime that's kind of a big thing <clears throat> it's um i mean and if you guys are looking to check it out or whatever if you like sailor moon and you wish it was even more gay mm -hmm. yeah definitely i like... believe that was actually a phrase bunny used at one point was <laughs> it's like sailor moon but it's way gayer yeah it's just it's it's funny because you can see the influences like a, to an extreme. It's a lot. It's a lot, um, especially 
you know, if you've been through bad relationships or, you know, you don't like seeing people get hit repeatedly, <laughs> slapped across the face repeatedly, it's it's a lot. Yeah. So let's um, transition to something a little softer toned. Let's talk about, I think we talked a little bit about Komi-san last time, but we definitely was, watched. I think it was the anticipation of it because I don't think we, because it came out November. Okay, cool. I so think. why don't you take this? Yeah. Because you read the manga, right? Like yeah. You read the whole manga or what, whatever's it's, been published? It's a lot of chapters and it's not over yet, but it's like... But they're short. Yeah. It's like, well, some of them are long. So a lot of them are shorter. It's an interesting format. Um, but yeah, it's Komi-san. Can't uh, communicate. Can't communicate. Um, and it's adorable. And it's one of those... It's like almost like a palate cleanser show. Mm. It definitely deals with some heavier stuff a little bit later on. Um, but we've only, it's a, it's a weekly release from Netflix, which is, um, a newer thing, obviously. This, I mean, is, this is more of a shoujo. Yeah. Yeah. Despite so, one of the main characters being a boy. Yeah. And there's a lot of boy characters in the show, but it's, it's very, it's an extremely slice of life, but it, um, it's goofy. The characters are adorable and they're all weird but like i mean that's kind of the whole point of the show is yeah. it's like they're dropped into this class of a bunch of weirdos and they i think they literally use the word weirdos but they all eventually come together for a lot of the right reasons and it's just their hijinks of them going through high school so this format is a lot like way of the house husband in that it's like much shorter episodes using air quotes um in one episode so there might be like three or four little mini episodes in one yeah they're like vignettes right so and that's like i said exactly i mean so far it's it's literally followed the manga and there's character development in these tiny like minuscule comparatively like vignettes there's character development there's um i think for me specifically like a lot of like um comedy there's a lot of like laughter and a lot of not just like a slapstick comedy although there is a good bit of that but there's also just genuinely like funny shit going on yeah it's a really funny anime in the manga um and i'm glad that that came across like it did there's also about a million name and word puns going on all the time like even even the like the the main male protagonist um tadano um hitohito which literally means um like whatever or whoever somebody like just any person like hito is the japanese word for either human or person so it's like he could just be anybody like literally that's what his like name like an everyday joe yeah just 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 a, a completely uninteresting person yeah average person yeah so and then whereas uh komi is like the the class diva queen that everyone wishes she they were but she or could be with yeah i mean but she's actually this super super shy girl who just desperately wants to have friends because she's never been able to communicate with anybody so this has like been her whole life of just wishing you you referred to her as a diva queen but i would say she's more like an idol yeah well i mean like like but like she's not an actual idol like people idolize her yeah like i said diva queen because there's like different 
meant like head cannons that people have as you see the more of their interpretations of her like as the show goes on like that kind of comes across where people are so intimidated by like they're like oh did you hear like she must have done this because uh like this crazy thing happened oh like she's incredible i wish i could be her it's like she yeah. didn't do anything yeah she's just, just trying to order a cup of coffee or something like right like yeah and um the side characters in the show are all great like you saw a little bit of that with her father Mm-hmm. Um, and you've seen I her. I loved that. Yeah, you've seen her mother very briefly in a couple scenes, but she's definitely um, a recurring character. I love real quick. I love how how Comey looks exactly like her mom, basically, mm-hmm. but her mom like has a really short hair, mom haircut. Um, but she's like her father's child, like through and through. Yeah. With the lack of communication skills and their like reactions to being around each other and him. Like being all, oh, I wanted to ask her about her day. And then like they they pretty much communicate like non-verbally with each other because when he finally is like, so how's school going? Like manages to ask the question. She like acts like it's like the worst thing in the world without even saying anything. And he's like, oh, no. And then she's like, haha, just kidding. But like just kind of like brightening up her personality a little bit and like like smiling. Yeah. And he's just like, oh, phew, she was just kidding. And it's just like. That's so fucking cute. Like, I yeah. I do not have a good relationship with my dad, but that's, like, the cutest fucking thing I've seen in a really long time. Yeah. It's... The show's adorable. Um, it really makes you feel good. Yeah. The characters are great. Like, the voice acting is great. I was really nervous about that, and especially with Comey, because she, her whole thing is, like, she... Doesn't talk. Barely ever talks. And when she does, it's very, very it's like quiet. A, yeah. It's like a whisper. Yeah. Or, like, a, like a mumble. I think... I mean, like her. Nervous. Obs- yeah, I think with her obsession with cats and kittens, I think she's supposed to come across almost like she's a little like a kitten or something, like where you can barely hear it. But like my experience with kittens is that they're very loud. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> like. <laughs> but yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Like she's supposed to be like a nervous, shy little cat. Yeah. Um, her brother also gets flushed out a lot, which is hilarious, um, as it plays in the context of Tadano's sister. Oh boy. So that's you get that to look forward to. <clears throat> Good. But I really I sincerely enjoy Komi-san can't communicate and um I think it's really well written and I think the animation is is great for what it is. It's a very simple, very basic style of shoujo anime. Like there's no magical girls, there's no um mystery or intrigue really it's just, you know, this girl's very 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 shy and she's the most gorgeous thing to walk the face of the planet at least in this like prefecture slash city slash town and everyone is agreement is in agreement on that and it just i think it even like you know you can tell the writing portrays that it puts even more pressure on her to like say the right thing at the right time but guess what she doesn't say anything so she comes off as very intimidating and as someone who can come off as very um, abrasive or braggadocious at times. I definitely feel with Komi-san on a lot of that. I definitely can sympathize with coming off as being very intimidating when I'm not meaning to be. Mm. So I think that's like also endears it to my heart a little bit more than maybe some others might. Plus they have a... uh, non-binary character yes najimi 
I love Najimi so much. Everyone's everyone's childhood friend. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. And I love the way they address it because really like Tadano is just like, Najimi, why are you dressed like that? And Najimi just literally brushes him off and is just like, this is the way I want to dress. Yep. Because he's like, he's like, I've known you forever. And up until now, like you've dressed as a You guy. dress differently. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, but everyone else is just like, like. Yeah, whatever. And then like a lot of the guy characters are like. 10 out of 10 yeah <laughs> like like really cute yeah because they had the pool the pool episode of course you have yeah. to have a pool episode and then it like shows off they, they come out in their bathing attire yeah and like they're all like whoa <laughs> really cute yeah i thought that was good too and i really like the portrayal of najimi and how just like chill everyone is you know about like someone just dressing however the fuck they want yeah. and I know that's probably not an, like an actual thing in Japan. Unfortunately. Yeah. Like that's that was the whole thing with Utna wearing like a quote boys uniform unquote. Like the very first episode a teacher runs up to her and is like, I told you you can't wear that uniform last year and here you are again. And Utna's like, there's nowhere in the handbook that says I cannot wear a guy's uniform. It just says I have to be in uniform. Yeah. She's like, fuck off, teach. Yeah. And then so that flicks was like, her cigarette out. I was like, the, oh. Like, you know, sighing, swooning in the background of all the other girls' students. Like, Utna's so cool. And then Najimi's just like, yeah, whatever. Fuck you. I do what I want. (laughs) The teachers don't seem to give a shit about Najimi at all. They don't. Um, I I can't remember from the manga if we ever really see a lot of their family. Um, They probably do because a lot of the world building in Komi-san is relating to the side characters you know their families and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. but all of it is good and it's useful because it's not like you don't feel like it's detracting from any like ever marching forward plot line really like it's not that kind of a show so it really lends itself well to allowing for that kind of natural feeling um character development yeah Um, so we're going to wrap up this episode with talking about Haikyuu seasons three and four. Um, body ball boys. I should have like gone through my files and like checked to see if we actually covered like, uh, seasons one and two thoroughly, but I'm pretty sure we did. Um, but so Haikyuu, yeah, it's volleyball, shonen, sports anime, um, super adorable. Again, the writing really just makes you feel like you you want to cheer for like the main team you want to cheer for Karasuno like and um seasons three and four really focus on their tournaments Mm -hmm. um versus like them sucking ass (laughs) yeah I mean yeah it's the tournaments it's like the anecdotal stuff around the tournaments like a couple training um camps and stuff like that one of which (laughs) Hinata fucking goofily sneaks into without being invited like oh they wouldn't notice yeah and they fucking noticed but the reason he picked that was so much funnier because he was like well i would have been arrested if i tried to get into the all japan youth (laughs) one they would have like arrested me to go there because he overheard it was Tsukishima, right? Yeah. In the convenience store, like yeah. saying like, oh yeah, you get arrested if you go. And you know, I was like, <gasps> so he ends up being a ball boy and he ends up improving his game like immensely, which was great. And yeah. I think the, that whole sequence, that little um, arc of, of season four was 
terrific and you see his growth as a volleyball player because he really has no idea what the fuck he's doing all he wants to do is hit the ball yeah so that was shira torizawa's coach right that was leading that yes yeah yeah the guy who's like academy yeah the guy who was like um he's all about height and power and he sees hanada as this little shrimp yeah who is nothing without his setter right and he like says that to him he's like without your setter you're basically nothing like Which what, you're is, worthless is kind of it's harsh but it's also fair in that it forced him to understand at that, that. point yes yeah. at that point um although i i don't know i don't want to call it fair i would just say it was truthful but harsh yeah it's tough it's tough reality that he like you said had just been up to that point hyper fixated on one thing and one thing only right. like he could barely serve he couldn't defend at all. Right. Um, none of the other stuff that you need to be able to do if you're going to be uh, a blocker. Yeah. Yeah. So. So. Um, all right. So you mentioned Shida Torizawa um, and we were introduced to them in season three. They were like the big, like the team to beat mm-hmm. and they got beat by yeah. Karasuno. And then, you know, we've been introduced to Oba Josai and Date Tech and Nekoma so of all these like peripheral teams and teams that, that they have played or trained with, do you have like a favorite non Karasuno like player or character? Like mm-hmm. who stood out to you? You know how bad I am with character names. Okay, well describe them and I'll help you. <laughs> um let's see. I have a obvious least favorite. It's fucking joker ass ronald mcdonald looking asshole oh god okay so his name's satori (laughs) hate him um i did not like him either and then we watched i think i started liking him in in season four during that training camp because i was like okay when he's not up against like hanada like he's actually just very like I don't know. You, you he's know not normal. He's not normal. I'm he, not going to say he's normal. He reminds me of, like, from Oran High School, the twins. Like, he has mm. that kind of weird, like... No. No? No. You don't, like... Uh, not at all. Okay. I mean, That's I, my opinion, I get man. what... I do understand what you're saying. I'm just disagreeing. <laughs> okay. I, I don't get necessarily, like, that vibe from him. I just get, like, he's, like, a shit talker. And, you know, Karasu knows, like baby baby boys i want to protect them i want to be the mother crow and collect them in my nest and protect them from from jackasses like satori it's a weird bunch of words you just said but i get it (laughs) you get it yeah um but you know like watching his interaction with um ushijima i i i was like okay he's not like that bad he just he's a real shit talker on the on the court He's yeah. a real big shit talker and he's very competitive and I do get it and I understand the characterization a little bit more than I did like during season three when I was just like, someone spike the ball directly into his face, please. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I get it and I'm glad that they had like some of the character development with him to make me hate him less um, and I get that that's kind of a necessary evil in some of these shonen type shows, but favorite character on the other teams? Um I like the, I like the other delinquent guy, the blonde-haired one, a lot. The blonde hair. Which team is he on? Uh, Nekoma. Okay. He's like he's like their version of um, Hanukkah. Yeah, like 
And he's just like, he like, they bro out together eventually when they start talking about girls. Okay. I don't know his name off the top of my head, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah, that kind of cracks me up. I don't know why. It just kind of does. Um, I think, I thought you were going to say Lev for sure, especially since he like went out of his way to go like save a cat out of a tree. I mean, I like him, but he hasn't really endeared himself yet. Okay, fair. Fair, fair, fair. Um, I'm trying to think. I guess Ukai doesn't count because <laughs> he's the coach. Yeah. Um, hmm. I don't know. I'm very intrigued by Kuro uh, on Nekoma. Um, I don't know. There's just so many good characters and a lot of them are shit talkers on the court. But once they're off the court, you're like, oh, precious bean. So I think that's really good writing, too. Um, all right. So what was your favorite um, like matchup? Like your like the games? Mm, probably Shira Torizama. Tori- Shira Torizawa. There you go. Um, <laughs> That's a mouthful. Yeah, it is. Japanese is hard to speak if you're natively an English speaker. It's true. That was very frightening, and I don't know what that was just now. Something slid. Oh, it was the poster tube. Okay. I think... I don't know. Yeah, I think that was my favorite matchup, too, because I think we were both, like, intensely into it. Like, yeah, like Karasuno I was, has to win this to move on. Yeah, I was like, I don't know what the hell they're going to do if they don't win this, but I'm like, I've seen enough Shonen that I have a fair... It's like a 50-50 coin flip that they they lose this. And I think we were both just, very pleasantly surprised when they did win it, though. And I've never really had any kind of experience with shonen anime where I was actively rooting for the characters like this much in the same way as I would for a sports team, like a real life sports team that I have been rooting for like my whole life or something. Because I feel like that happened, at least for me, several points in the show where I was like, like they'd be they'd be going for a point and I'd be like and they'd get it. And I'd be like, yeah, or they, they, it, it would fall and I'd be like, that's bullshit. And I'd be like, yeah. it was a real game that I was watching. And I'm like, no, this is just an anime game on a, on a sport that I don't give a shit about. But somehow I care a lot about this, this, this particular team. I agree completely. I think it's also good because you and I grew up in very different regions of the United States and we definitely do not have similar home team sports and actually our home team like football teams have actually played against each other mm-hmm. um i you know numerous times since we've been together and we've managed to amicably you know watch that and you've watched sports that like soccer like like you weren't really into it but i was super into it in the world cup especially in like 2014 and you were just kind of like along for the ride but i think that excitement um is definitely contagious and it's definitely palpable in a lot of situations and i think that the the showrunners of haiku definitely have a leg up on like building that excitement and 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 showing that and especially like one of my favorite scenes out of like the whole series so far that we've seen is in season four when they're playing Oh God, what the fuck was their name? Um, the We Don't Need the Memories team. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Inarizaki. Yeah, Inari. Yeah, Fox Fox Academy. Yeah. Inarizaki, they're playing them. It's like their second matchup of the the Japan Nationals Tournament. And um 
They're the number two ranked team. Yeah, they're the number two ranked team in all of Japan. And so here comes this Miyagi prefecture, like nobody. Like, oh yeah, you used to be somebody, but who are you now? Mm -hmm. um, made it here and are playing this top-seeded team. And it's during the last set and it's the pace is building and building and building and the the action is just going and the 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 volley is just like back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and finally ukai is like slow it down you guys like i mean i thought they were gonna lose it i thought they yeah. were gonna lose it completely he's like you need to slow the game down he's yelling from the sidelines and i wanted to be standing right next to him yelling the same thing like slow it down slow it down <sighs> Yeah, that was really Because they were losing control, and the showrunners made it very obvious that Karasuno was losing control. They were, like, upping the tempo and just trying to really just nail this game. Yeah, like, yeah, they were doing the, like, you could see, like, the restriction of their focus yeah. visually because, like, the screen was going black. Like, it yeah. was just crunching in from the sides yeah and i and so then when hanada like you know tosses it up really high and gives everyone several moments to just breathe yeah and i thought that was one of the most like well done scenes of an anime that i've seen in a really long time i mean there's no there's no real world consequences to this thing like you said there's no this, these aren't real people. These teams don't exist. These high schools don't exist. This tournament doesn't exist. Like, mm. for all intents and purposes. Yeah. You know, with these characters specifically. But the way they built up that tension and the way they built up that that need to win, that was, like, very evident with Carcino. Like, and then all of a sudden, Hinata's like, guys, chill. Yeah, because he's, he's as simple as he is. He's just like... Like he knew in that moment to and just like he knew with the training camp when it was two on two and he's like just slow the game down give your teammate you know you don't need to up the tempo and try to slam it over as fast as you can like you need to give your teammate some breathing room and he's like slow it down mm -hmm. and he took his own advice and i think that is like amazing and i don't know if ukai even like saw that coming like from Hinata of all people. I think he was hopeful that Hinata had learned a lot, which is why he was allowed to stay at that training camp. Yeah. Or go to it every day because he actually didn't stay because they were like, we have nowhere for you to stay. <laughs> and then no food to give you. And no food to give you. But, you know, going to that training camp instead of training with his own team, I think Ukai was like, if, if anyone's going to be dumb enough to learn something from this, it's going to be Hinata. Yeah. And he put his faith in the right person. He's just a simple volleyball boy. And I think that was like really, really, really well executed because it was just a palpable, like just oof. Yeah. Like that was a very um successful visual um application of the concept that they were going for. And honestly, like I knew going into watching Q that the fan base was really big and really passionate and I didn't know why but after watching four seasons and some little side episodes like I can definitely see why Haikyuu is one of those really sought after animes with like a, a pretty generous fan base uh, by generous I mean like widespread like a lot of different people from a lot of different walks of life because it's so well done and it's so you just you get immersed it's immersive 
Yeah, and there's a lot of characters, but you, like you said earlier, like it's hard not to root for them in some way. Right. I mean, yeah, exactly. You've got Oikawa, and you've got the um, the Mia twins, and you've got Ushijima and Bokuto, and all these other like like side players, really. Yeah. Um, and Kenma and Kuro, and like all these people that you know upon sight because they interact with the Karasuno players. But I mean, when it comes down to it, like. I feel like everyone's like really like oh you know this is about Karasuno and it's like that team and you want to see them move on more than anything. Well, yeah, of course. So I just I I think I'm taken aback by how much I really really enjoyed this show. Yeah, especially since we had to restart it, but I think we just had to be in the right headspace for it. Yeah, I so. think I I see shonen anime and I'm like if it's not JoJo then I don't really care, but I, I'm starting to climb away from that. Well, it's the new brand of shonen, which yeah. like Jujutsu Kaisen, if you do it well, you can really attract people from fan bases that you would never think would be into a show like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And again, I didn't know really what to expect from Jujutsu Kaisen and Skate was the same way. Skate, I'd seen a lot of, I'd seen fan art, and I'd seen a lot of people kind of mention it on Twitter, and I was like, okay, these people are into the same stuff I am, and if they're mentioning Skate, if they're mentioning Jiu-Jitsu, we should try it. Yeah. And, you know, I'd seen Haikyuu here and there, but I don't really fall into the Haikyuu, like, fandom circles, really. Yeah. Like, necessarily. I don't (laughs) put myself in them. And so that was just kind of like an outlier. But yeah, I think, I think not brushing it off and actually like sitting down and giving it a chance was definitely like the way to go yeah it's great yeah (laughs) very much enjoy so the only thing that i have left to mention about haiku is apparently we're missing some kind of um i don't know if it's another season that crunchyroll just doesn't have right now or what but there's a time skip maybe it's in the manga only so far but probably um because i'm not i don't really care this is you know for me it's not necessarily a finished product because again we're only like game two of the nationals tournament and i really 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 want to see more and i want to know like how they did and where they go from here um because i'm very attached to the first years and the third years and the second years of karasuno and you know it's just if they're they worked so well as a team together that it's just hard to not like every single character on that team yeah because that's the other problem um, like this tournament is it for yeah. the third years yep. on the team. So it's going to be hugely emotional, I'm sure. Yep. The inevitability of that. So. Yep. Um, but that's all for anime for November 2021. Did you have any closing remarks? Fart. Oh, I thought you were going to say world's largest fusili. Oh, no, I should have. <laughs> Man, I would really missed out on that one. Yeah, Sorry, you guys. You'll just have to imagine it. So it's a really is, big pasta. This is the longest episode we've had in quite some time. <laughs> Well, we watched a lot of fucking anime. Um, yeah, we did. And we had a lot to talk about, especially with Stone Ocean dropping. So thank you for listening. And we will uh, be dropping another episode in January. Yep. See you, dorks.